Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, I am a practicing board-certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon here in Atlanta, Georgia. And in my spare time, I'm also the host of The Skin Reel podcast, where my goal is to give listeners and viewers like you real, factual, unhyped skincare guidance and education. I am really excited to have a Mohs surgery colleague, Dr. Decker, joining me today. She is a graduate of Boston University and then went on to do her dermatology training at Cornell Medical School, followed by a fellowship at Cooper University Hospital, where she is now on faculty there. When she is not practicing dermatology or giving great education on her social media account, She is also the mom of two little ones. Today, we're going to be talking about this concept of prejuvenation. And it's something that I'm definitely hearing about more and more. And I can't wait to get your thoughts on it, Dr. Decker. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to discussing everything with you. So non-invasive cosmetic procedures are really on the rise, especially in our younger patients, in our 20 and 30-year-olds. And the ASDS came out with a survey really showing that there was a 50% increase in injectable neuromodulators in patients under the age of 30 from 2012 to 2016. And I imagine that number really has only increased since then. So with this kind of influx of our younger patients interested in cosmetic procedures, the term prejuvenation was born. And first you have to think about what is rejuvenation. So rejuvenation is restoring youth. Prejuvenation was a term that was coined by Dr. Ken Art in 2013, and it really means to prevent the loss of use. And this is a more proactive approach to slowing or preventing the loss of aging as opposed to actually correcting aging once it occurs. So it's an approach that integrates topical skincare as well as these other non-invasive cosmetic procedures to prevent or slow the signs of aging so that hopefully you don't even have to rejuvenate when you're older. What we know is it's always harder to kind of treat signs of aging once they've shown up. It's a lot easier to prevent them from developing. 
And there was an interesting study, I'm sure you've seen it, it's very popular in the dermatology world, looking at two identical twins who genetically were the same, but also had a lot of the same lifestyle. And one of the twins received Botox into the glabella and forehead every four to six months over a 19-year period, as well as Botox into her crow's feet over an eight-year period, whereas the other twin really only underwent four treatments during that time course. And when you compared them at the end of those 19 years, the twin who had undergone regular neuromodulator injections with the Botox had really no wrinkles at rest compared to her sister. So it's a very interesting study to look at. I think the study, if I'm thinking of the same one you're talking about, because we've definitely seen these twin studies and it's amazing. The twin who had had routine botulinum toxin or Botox actually lived in California, if I recall, or LA. And the other twin lived, I believe it was Germany or Europe, or at least this is one set of uh, one study. And so you can't even blame it on, well, maybe the one twin who looked older just got more sun exposure because it was actually the reverse. So it, it just made the results even more powerful, at least in, in my opinion. But yeah, definitely those twin studies are really, really interesting. And now I just thought we were talking about this because I'm approaching my mid 40s and definitely prejuvenation is something I am thinking about because now is the time I'm starting to see stuff, right? And my friends are starting to see stuff and ask and wondering, oh, is this really happening or what's going on here? And I think this younger generation, these people in their 20s and 30s with social media are looking at themselves yes. way more than I ever did at that age. And photos and Zooms and all these, we're staring at ourselves constantly. And so it's hard not to become obsessive about it, right? But I do love the concept of being proactive, right? Instead of this anti-aging where you're trying to fight with all your might against nature, which just seems like it's a never ending battle and something you can't win. So it's a really neat concept. I was just going to talk a little bit about the physiology of aging because I think yeah. that's important to understand kind of the concept behind aging in order to understand why those treatments work. So really facial aging is multifactorial. So it involves three main components. One is changes in your facial bones. And so your facial bones serve as the attachment for your soft tissue and provide the stability and structure for your face. And as we age, those bones resorb and remodel in a very predictable fashion and lead to the appearance of an aged face. You also have volume loss and fat redistribution that happens as you're losing that bony scaffolding. You have redistribution of your fat and your muscle. And so it leads to this mid-face flattening and also this heaviness of your lower face known as jowling. And then you also have changes in your skin quality and texture. So you lose elastin and collagen as you age, contributing to those appearance of those wrinkles. You have hyperpigmentation, dilated blood vessels, changes in your skin texture that also lead to the appearance of aging. And so everyone really ages at different rates. And there's a lot of factors that are involved. You have some intrinsic factors like your genetics, which unfortunately we have no control over, but the extrinsic factors such as sun protection or sun exposure and smoking and lifestyle choices really can play a significant difference. And so prejuvenation can really be utilized when you first start showing those early signs of aging to help slow the process. Just simply thinking about it in your 20s and 30s, it can be so powerful because you have all these decades to make really impactful changes in your lifestyle. And 
Again, I'm not saying everyone needs to run out and go get Botox and all that. I certainly didn't have the money to be getting Botox when I was in my 20s and early 30s. But there are things you can be doing, such as sun protection, not going to tanning beds, not tanning, not smoking, watching your alcohol intake, and also how much sleep you're getting, right? Exactly. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if I could give everyone one piece of advice in terms of an anti-aging product or in terms of prejuvenation, it's sunscreen. I mean, I think photo protection is so important and plays such a role in the aging process. And UV radiation causes that breakdown of elastin and collagen, contributing to the wrinkles. It can cause pigmentation or sunspots. It can cause DNA damage leading to the development of skin cancer. And so you can be doing all the other things, all the other rejuvenation tools in your toolbox, all the non-invasive procedures. But if you're not wearing sunscreen and protecting yourself from the sun, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. I tell people when they come to see me for procedures and things like that, don't spend all this money on these procedures if you're not going to do sun protection because you are truly just wasting your time and your money. And you could use all the products in the world, but if you're not willing to sun protect, you really are wasting time and money. I would say hands down, that is like number one, two, and three for pro-aging and and making sure you have beautiful skin. I have a friend or several friends, they did a photo there from Austin Skin and they took a photo of a farmer who had worked outside for about 70 years and it kind of went viral. You've probably seen this, Dr. Decker. His arms are totally tanned and leathery and brown just from year decades out in the sun. His legs, he always wore pants. His legs are white as snow. And it's just remarkable to see the difference in his skin on the same person, simply photo protecting and not. And I will also even take it farther. A lot of times I see people, even my staff, and they come in and they're tan from the summer and they say, oh, I swear I wore sunscreen. I wore sunscreen. It didn't work. So when we think about sun protection, sunscreen is just one part of it, right? 100%. I also just recommend wearing a hat, sitting in the shade. If you are eating lunch outside, choose the table in the shade, not directly in the sun. I love sort of like a cover up over my shoulders and arms. So there are ways to sun protect above and beyond just wearing sunscreen, which of course, as most surgeons, skin cancer doctors, we really recommend. And then you have to remember to reapply. I think when people say their sunscreen didn't work, it's not so much that it didn't work. It's maybe that it was sweated off and it just needed to be reapplied. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Sun protection is number one and it really is so cost effective, right? And it's a great option for people who either are not wanting to do any sort of cosmetic procedures ever, who really just want yes. to age naturally. And that's wonderful. That's my mom. She's never going to do anything, but she does. I now have her wearing hats and coolie bar shirts when she's gardening and outside. And so if you're just going to do one thing, sun protect, right? And don't smoke. Let's say two things. How about? Definitely no smoking either. Now, when do you think someone should start thinking about pro-aging, pro-juvenation? I mean, that's a tough question. And I get that a lot from patients and also family and friends. You know, when is too early? And I don't know that there's a specific number. I think it's very dependent on you and your skin health. And there are plenty of 20 and 30 year olds who are walking around who do have horizontal forehead lines or do 
have kind of those glabellar lines and maybe showing some signs of early skin aging. And so very least being very proactive about sun protection. And I think another great kind of avenue into prejuvenation and, and thinking about kind of aging is a good topical skincare regimen, which is also really helpful for those patients who aren't really sure if they want to pursue any additional cosmetic treatments. And I'm a huge fan of being a topical skincare minimalist. I think there are so many products on the market that are out there. It becomes so overwhelming. How do you know which one to choose? Not to mention that it can be expensive, so it's cost prohibitive. And when you start adding a lot of things to your skin, you run the risk of developing irritation. So I have kind of four products that I recommend. I always recommend a vitamin C serum in the morning. And this is an antioxidant. It can help protect your skin against DNA damage from free radicals. I also really love a hyaluronic acid serum. I think this just helps lock in moisture in your skin, followed, of course, by sunscreen. Sunscreen always goes on last. And even within those products I mentioned, there are ones of different price points. And so you can spend a lot of money, but you also can run to Target or your local drugstore and find a lot of these products for relatively inexpensive. So you don't have to break the bank to find one that really works. I'm a skin minimalist myself. The only extra thing that you didn't mention, which I think you probably do as well, is a vitamin A cream at night. Vitamin A cream at night, either prescription strength or an over-the-counter. I think the over-the-counter tend to be a little less irritating for people who have sensitive skin and is a great place to start if you're kind of just dipping your toes in the water. I also like a chemical exfoliant. I'm a big fan of a glycolic acid lotion that I'll integrate and alternate nightly with my vitamin A or retinoid. But those are really the four things that I use. And I don't know that I would add anything else. I feel like those do a lot. I really think that's all you need. And if you really don't even want the vitamin C and the hyaluronic acid, and like I don't actually use hyaluronic acid and I don't do peels, but I feel like I get enough peeling from my vitamin A, my retinoids. So I'm getting exfoliation there, but really it can be that simple. And if that's all you want to do and you're doing really vigilant sun protection, you're going to have great looking skin. And we're not saying we're going to reverse aging and you're not going to age. Aging's going to happen to all of us if we're lucky, right? We just want to maybe minimize maybe some of the less desirable effects and just have our skin reflect how we feel on the inside. Because I find I have a lot of patients and especially a lot of women who have maybe gone through menopause and they feel like their face, their skin has just changed overnight. And they, they tell me, I feel like my skin has just melted. My face has melted. And they don't feel like how they look on the outside reflects how they feel on the inside. And so then there's some other things we can do. Again, not necessarily trying to reverse nature, but just trying to enhance someone's natural beauty, right? What do you say to someone like that in their 50s who is maybe postmenopausal or perimenopausal and they're doing all the topical stuff we talked about, they're sun protecting? What do you recommend after that? I mean, I think neuromodulators can be a mainstay in prejuvenation and have certainly really increased in popularity. And the neuromodulators that are on the market go under the brand names Botox, Dysport, Zeamet, or the new Daxify, which lasts a little bit longer. 
And those work by binding and inhibiting the release of acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. And so they cause muscle paralysis. And the reason that you get these lines, especially kind of on the upper face, is from repeated skin folding that's due to the muscle contractions that you make when you make your facial expression. So over time, these lines do become kind of deeper and more ironed in. And as they become more ironed in, it is harder to get rid of them. You certainly can soften them, but it is hard to get rid of them completely. And so the way neuromodulators are used in context of prejuvenation is to actually inhibit that muscle contraction and those skin folds really from even happening before those lines develop and prevent them altogether. I think Botox is one of those procedures that I'm seeing younger and younger patients inquiring about. What are your thoughts on, and I can share mine, on whether Botox is preventative? What are your thoughts on that? I certainly do think it can help prevent the appearance of these lines, especially on the upper face. I mean, I know myself and my dermatology colleagues all started Botoxing at an early age. And I do think it made a difference. I know though, not everyone is amenable to that or not everyone wants to undergo Botox and that it was totally fine too. I feel like all of these procedures are completely optional. And there's something really to be said for aging naturally. But I think too, you know, as you said, a lot of people want to look on the outside like they feel on the inside as well. And so we wear makeup to make ourselves feel better and we dye or cut our hair to make ourselves feel better. So is this in some way an extension of that? And for some people, I think it really is. And so being able to navigate both situations is helpful. Gosh, there are so many things I want to comment on with (laughs) what you just said, but I'm with you on the preventative aspect of Botox. I do find, and I liken it to working out, right? If I'm going to be doing bicep curls over and over again, or if I'm like scowling and making an angry expression, I'm building up that muscle and it's getting bigger and stronger. And when you do inject Botox or you stop working out, that muscle will atrophy and it will not bulk up and get as big. And you're not making that expression and getting those etched in lines. So I do think it is preventative. And Mm -hmm. another thing I've noticed is that people who are getting these procedures, they really want a natural look. I find that the patients no longer, at least in my practice, want to come in and say, freeze me up. I don't want any movement. I want to not be able to emote. People want more of a natural look and I'm using fewer lower units so that people can still have expression. And I like to tell the story of one of my friends when I did her Botox and I did what I usually do on myself. And she came back the next time and she said, everything was great and all. However, my son really needs to see my facial expressions when I'm angry. And so I'm going to need you to tone it down a little bit. And so we worked it out where I gave her actually very light injections, uh, low unit so that she could still let her son know when she was angry through her facial expressions, but also still get some of the benefit of that. So that is just something I've noticed in my practice that we're sort of moving away from this sort of overdone look. And I see that a lot with fillers as well. Are you seeing that too? I am 100% seeing that. And I'm so thankful for that because I really am not a fan of the overdone look. I always tell my patients, like, I don't want to make you look like somebody else. I don't want to make you look different. I just want you to look like the best version of yourself. And when you leave my office, I never want someone to know you had something done. I just want somebody to look at you and be like, hmm, she looks 
or he looks a little bit better. I just can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. And so I think that is comforting because I think the use of injectables or these non-invasive cosmetic procedures does kind of carry a stigma with it that's perpetuated through social media or the media. And so being able to reassure patients that that's not what the end goal is, I think is very reassuring. In terms of filler, I also agree. We start losing some volume in our face in our early 30s. And that really kind of coincides with when you start having some bone resorption. And soft tissue fillers, when used appropriately and judiciously, can really help restore facial volume and symmetry. And I think, you know, using it in the context of prejuvenation, you're almost keeping up with volume loss in real time as opposed to really kind of making up ground on the back end. And with filler too, you do have the benefit of having some of your own collagen production as well. So it can be beneficial in a couple of ways. And I really love biostimulants. Some people call them fillers, but things like Sculptra, Radius, things that boost your own collagen production, especially if you can think about this early enough before you have significant volume loss and just help maintain that collagen that we know you're losing year after year. It just helps it maintain more of a steady state, if you will. And I find that that can be very, very natural looking. So for someone who does not want those big chipmunk cheeks and that sort of pillowy face, I find that this is a really great way to put collagen directly in your face. Well, actually, it's not putting collagen in your face, right? It's stimulating your own collagen in your face. So when people, I hear a lot of people talk about taking collagen supplements and doing things, and I'm thinking to myself, well, just come get a vial of Sculptra and I'll definitely get it there. But again, I think sometimes people think these cosmetic procedures are so unnatural. And you could argue both ways, right? Like, yes, we are doing something to reverse some of the changes of aging. But if you're stimulating your own collagen, I mean, that's pretty natural as well, isn't it? Exactly. You know, I don't know. I, there's something to be said for naturally aging naturally, but I don't know that aging naturally and gracefully necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. To your point, I color my hair. I'm not ready to have gray hair right now. Although I see a lot of women who look amazing with it and men as well. And I do do injectables and things like that. Um, and again, a little bit along the way. So I wear makeup, I have a ring light on, right? So it's a fine line and everyone's going to be different on what they're comfortable with and what they feel like has gone too far. But again, I really think just thinking about it in advance and trying to be more proactive is so key because there's so much you can do just with your lifestyle, your dietary habits. I mean, they just did a paper, you probably saw this, where they looked at people who cycled for 30 minutes and then people who weightlifted for 30 minutes a few times a week. And they found that actually both improved their skin, but the people who actually did resistance training had increase in their dermis, which is the layer of the skin that has your collagen. So even things like weightlifting can potentially help improve collagen production and your skin health. So there's tons of stuff you can do without necessarily going through the injectables and the cosmetic procedures. And I would say see a board certified dermatologist, right? Talk to them. Let them know what your concerns are, what your goals are. And I think they can give some really good advice on where you should be spending your time and your money for the biggest bang for your buck. I completely agree. I mean, each person is an individual and really needs a customized treatment plan to help address 
the things that concern you. And as board certified dermatologists, we have the knowledge and the training to really be able to talk about these products and talk about these procedures and also be able to guide you for a treatment plan that's right for you for where you are in life, right? So like if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant or breastfeeding, some of these procedures and products you can't use. And that's really important to know as the patient so that you can protect yourself and your loved ones. So I agree with you completely. You need to know who you're seeing and who's treating your skin. Absolutely. And also, as you age, you are at an increased risk for skin cancer development. So making sure someone is looking at your skin, not just to make sure it looks great and radiant and all that, but I don't know how many times we have an esthetician um, locally who people go to see her for a procedure and she'll send me a text saying, hey, can you come, can you see this person? Because they've got this dark spot that she's worried about. And I'm just grateful that she has the wherewithal to say, okay, something doesn't smell right and doesn't just kind of treat it without thinking it through. So again, having a dermatologist monitoring for that can be really helpful as well. We have talked about injectables, but what are some of your favorite devices for people who want to get into pro-aging and pro-generation, what would you recommend? So, I mean, there's a lot of light and laser-based treatments that are out there. Some of the non-ablative resurfacing lasers like Clear and Brilliant or Fraxel. Um, your light-based treatments like Intense Pulse Light or IPL can help stimulate collagen. It can help get rid of some of those signs of, of undamaged pulse dye laser or PDL can help with some redness and some of the telangiectasias. And so I think those are a great place to start as well. You know, there's been studies, the most recent one from Avram's group looking at, you know, using the non-ablative resurfacing laser actually can help prevent development of skin cancer as well. So it's kind of multifactorial. You're getting a cosmetic benefit, but you're also getting health benefit too. They are also, you know, radiofrequency treatments or ultrasound treatments that can be a good adjunct for patients who are looking for more like a collagen stimulation or a tightening effect. Myself, I love the IPL. I try to do it a couple of times a year. Despite it being painful in the moment, it's worth it on the back end. That's great. And those are all great. And again, you want to make sure you're using the device that works for you, your skin type and your skin issue. I have never used an IPL, but I haven't really had the issue that would require it necessarily, which doesn't mean I wouldn't down the road. So what might be right for one person may not be appropriate for someone else. And also your skin type will determine what you need. I'm a big fan of chemical peels. I love these so much. Yes. Which ones do you like? A very strong TCA with Jesner's peel. And a lot of times I find that when someone comes to see me and maybe they're new to doing, you know, maybe they're in their 50s or 60s and they're sort of new to progeneration and pro-aging. And one of the first things I'll say that we should do beyond the things we've talked about with the topicals and some protection is to just kind of do a refresh of their skin and do an intense chemical peel just to to even out their complexion. And I find that simply having glowing, beautiful skin, it makes people look younger if they only did that, right? If they just had even uniform complexion, I think that takes years off of you simply by doing that. So a lot of times I'll say, let's start with that and sort of get a nice, clean, 
canvas to work from. And then we can go and do other things like neuromodulators or target any residual redness or things like that. So that's something that I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of the Jesner's TCA combo as well. Um, We do, in addition to doing for cosmetic purposes, we'll actually do it for patients who have a significant or have significant actinic damage too, and find that it can really like clear up a lot of those AKs as well. So again, a lot of these treatments, you can have both cosmetic benefits and health benefits as well. And then of course, the last step would be to actually undergo surgery. And in my practice, we do neck lifts, we do tightening procedures, lip lifts. So we do a lot of surgical, we do blepharoplasties to remove that excess eyelid skin. And I see men for that. I see people who really have almost zero interest in cosmetics simply because that skin is heavy on their eyelids and they feel like they can't open their eyes. And so that can be really helpful. And just simply opening your eyes can give just the appearance, again, of just a more youthful look. Dr. Decker, can you just share with us maybe your top three pearls for someone who is thinking about prejuvenation and trying to keep their skin as healthy and youthful for as long as possible? Of course, I honestly could say the top three would be sun protection, but certainly sun protection, having a good topical skincare regimen, and really establishing a relationship with somebody that you trust that will give you kind of honest advice and honest feedback about what you need will set you up for success in terms of slowing or preventing the aging process and helping you just feel better. Absolutely. And also just knowing that this is normal. This is supposed to happen. This is all normal and natural. And having, I think, realistic expectations is so key. And sometimes I will have people come in and they'll bring me a picture and they're in their 70s and they'll bring me a picture when they're in their 30s. And there's just no way we're going to bring you back to that look. And also, I don't really want to go back 30 years for where I am because there's a lot to be said for the wisdom that you get with age and all that. So again, just having realistic expectations. We have tons of procedures that we can do and things that we can do, but we can't reverse nature. Mother nature is still the winner here, right? But there are definitely things we can do to really maximize the benefits and the good things and try to minimize those negative, less desirable things. Because, I mean, let's be honest, not everything about aging is desirable, right? That is true. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Having realistic expectations and also aging is a privilege, right? Not everyone gets to do it. And so to be able to grow old and be healthy is really something that you can't take for granted. And so... For sure. It's something that you should be honored to do. Yeah. Yep. And if all you get out of this podcast episode is just wear sunscreen and stay out of the sun, right? Then we've done our job. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Dr. Decker, this has been a lot of fun. Where can our listeners and viewers find you if they want to follow you and get more of this great information? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Ashley Decker underscore MD and also on Twitter as well. And my Twitter handle should be on the Instagram page. Okay, (laughs) we'll definitely leave that in the show notes. And it's been a lot of fun and I'm so glad you could join us. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Thanks. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, 
blog post, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.